the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Happy March 30th, 2012. How are you today? Let's talk money. Let's talk investing. Let's talk what's going on on Wall Street. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers, shall we? Dow up 37 points. It's up one quarter of 1%. This is the last trading day of the quarter. NASDAQ's up two, three. Up one-tenth of one percent. S&P 500 up four. The euro is trading higher against the dollar. Ten-year treasury is ticking a little bit lower. Gold is ticking $9 higher, sitting at $16.61 an ounce. And oil sitting at $103 a barrel. So oil has been behaving in between $100 and $103 a barrel. A couple big stories um, that are out there today. Consumer spending is up, but incomes are lagging. There's some stories about JetBlue's series of unfortunate events and how it's hurting the stock. Former Upstart, now a very mature airline, found itself with a pretty big PR test. Had a big uh, Valentine's Day debacle back in 2007 when a less than stellar response to a severe snowstorm left thousands of flyers stranded in the Northeast. But now they've got a co-pilot who had to restrain a pilot. And that stock's been trading about five bucks a share now for, unfortunately, a little bit too long. Uh, JetBlue once was a, a double-digit baby. You know, it traded as high as $29, $30 back in 2003. But since then, it's been kind of sideways since 2009. Warren Buffett, our grandfather of investing, the man that we go to, to tr- that we trust, maybe he's our great-grandfather. He said, I'll never buy an airline. He once bought TWA, and he regretted it. It's a Friday. That's worthy of mentioning. We're higher. That's worthy of noting it's last day of the quarter so there's a lot of head scratching a little bit of anxiety recently we've come a long way in a very short period of time 
got a good three years as well. So there's some question about, is there a little bit of tail end risk? Keep in mind, bull markets don't last forever. There will be a bear market that comes down the road. Keep in mind, up markets don't go all the way to the sky forever and ever and ever. So, 20% gain in the S&P 500 this year based on fundamentals. It's not crazy. But we're already up 12% this year. So, how much is left? The S&P 500 index started 2011, very low valuations. Profits were up 14% in 2011, yet for the year, the index was flat. So if profits rise just 6% this year, seeing a 20% rise in the S&P 500 for 2012 would keep the profit gains of 2011-2012 pretty similar and still being able to maintain some low valuations. The gains in the S&P 500 this year simply reflect the index gaining ground consistent with profit gains from last year. Keep in mind, we ended last year freaked out, worried about Greece, and that really never imploded so far. There's some serious catching up to do in the markets. I think we took a lot of profit for the year in the first quarter. Now, do we still have some upside for the rest of the year? We do, but it's a lot more limited. A correction is always possible after a strong run. We've had a strong run. We've had a great quarter. We've had a great start of the year. Some people want out. February personal income was up two-tenths of a percent, a little bit lower than expected. People were expecting up three-tenths of a percent. So we didn't miss by a big margin. We didn't fall into a well. Spending was up eight-tenths of a percent, which is a solid gain. A bit higher than expected. So income up less than expected, spending up more than expected. I would call that almost a push. The key inflation index associated with data is tied towards what's called personal consumption. So Fed favorite metric for measuring inflation, it does not reflect price pressures at a level of any concern. Some European finance ministers are going to announce enhanced measures to address the sovereign credit crisis. We're going to get that today. We also get the Chicago Purchasing Managers Index. We also get Michigan Consumer Sentiment. All of those numbers are out right now, and we're still up. The market's shown tremendous resilience. Anytime there's a down open, we kind of end up going slightly sideways for the day. Upcoming earnings reports by what's not being said is positive. They're going to present some headwinds for the market. Upward momentum is a little bit stalled. When you throw a trillion dollars at the economy in the last couple of years, as President Barack Obama did, you do support economy. Now the question is, do we did he get us flying and do we take off from here? Or do we just go straight down? I think fundamentals have been pretty bullish, all things considered. Research in motion is a stock worth watching. They had a horrible 
horrible. It's horrible. It's a horrible quarter. They had a horrible quarter. That's horrible. Blackberry Maker uh, lost a lot of money. Their former co-CEO, Jim Belisle, he resigned from the company's board of directors. And guess what? RIM, Research in Motion, is what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Are they trading up or are they trading down? Are they trading up or are they trading down? Surprising they're trading up. Up 32 cents at 14 bucks. So when a stock trades up on bad news, that's typically considered a bullish sign. Or maybe the shorts are loading up where they're buying it high and they want to sell it lower. I don't play with crippled companies. You may think it's fun to play with a crippled company. I don't. I take it very, very seriously that I don't want to be anywhere near that company. Can't trust it. I don't know if that makes any sense to you in any way, shape, or form, but I don't play with crippled companies. Apple's in the news today. The company and its supplier, Foxconn, agreed to fix violations of working additions at Foxconn's assembly plant in China. GlaxoSmithKline, they could be affected today. Results of a study involving a Roche experimental breast cancer drug currently called TDMI. Roche says the drug helped patients with aggressive type of breast cancer live longer than those with a typical GlaxoTicurb and Roche's Exelder drugs. So they're in the news in a positive way today. It's, you know, GlaxoSmithKline's trading on, yeah, it's up slightly. I mean, literally fractions. Other stories that are in the news today, Micron and Oracle have settled a lawsuit filed by Oracle over memory chip prices. The suit had accused Micron of starting a conspiracy to increase prices between 1998 and 2002. Terms not to close in the settlement. You're listening to AM1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black and your money. All things financial on AM1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Kim Jong-un. He's willing to trade you a nuclear weapon for your Mega Millions ticket. He wants you to contact him on his MySpace page. Tonight, the Mega Lotto. It's going to pull in, if you win, $540 million. More than LeBron James makes in his career. More than Lady Gaga. You will be one of the richest people on the planet. How would you want to invest? Would you want to invest like an athlete? Like a Dennis Rodman who's bankrupt and broke right now? He has to pay off his baby mamas? Or would you like to invest in something that gives you a steady stream of income? It's a big problem to have, right? I just earned $460 million after after my payout. 25% federal state tax or federal tax. Could you live off $300 million, do you think? 
till the day you die. Tough problem to have, right? So European stocks are trading higher. Personal spending increases more than expected. A little consumer sentiment reading this morning. We got the Dow up 34, the NASDAQ down 2, and the SP 500 up 3. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, you are a financial planner. One of the things you try to do is bulletproof a retirement plan. One of the things that everyone knows is in retirement that long-term care insurance can be kind of expenses, expensive. But what are some of the other expenses people need to account for? Inflation. I mean, inflation is the biggest one. So, for example, a couple of years ago when Social Security um, had its first year where they didn't increase the benefit for people, right? Uh, we still had a double-digit uh, growth in cost for Medicare Part B, which comes right out of a Social Security check. Um, and then the year before that, there was a double-digit growth as well, um, which ate up more than the cost of living increase that was in Social Security. So inflation is the biggest one. When you're in your 80s, you don't eat out as much. You don't go on as many cruises and things like that. It's, so it's your health care costs that causes the biggest amount of inflation. So when I'm running a financial plan, most costs are going to run at 3 3.5% minimum right. price increase in, in retirement. But you're, you've got to project out your health care costs and growing at 5 to 6%. With that said, that's not sexy. I think a lot of us delay thinking about retirement because retirement's not sexy. And then when we're in retirement, we really don't want to deal with these issues because yeah. it's, it's well, you know what I'm saying by sexy. It's just it's something we don't want to talk about. But the other thing is, is taxes that you've got to plan for. Taxes aren't sexy at all. Now, again, but, my assumption is I'm an old person. I'm not going to be paying a lot of taxes, but that's a false assumption. Well, yeah. I mean, if the dividend and capital gains tax is a tax that's likely to increase. I yep. mean, capital gains were at 27% when I got into this business, and it... 10 years you know, after the, I got into it, we went in this huge bull market. So that's one tax. And the dividend taxes, which a lot of my clients are benefiting from the low tax rates on dividends and capital gains, that could change. It will change. Um, income taxes, the, the lowest income tax could go higher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sales taxes in the state of California, it's ridiculous. You know, if you have a million dollars retirement and anything you spend money on in retirement is 95 10%, you really only have $900,000 in retirement uh, just from the sales tax alone in the state of California. Or let's say you were a diligent saver, you ran a business, um, you've got a nice income in retirement. Well, guess what? Because of basically a success type of tax, you're going to pay twice as much for your Medicare Part B insurance than the guy next to you in the other house. How does that work? It's it's basically an income testing. They go, they go back and look at the last two to three years of income. And if you're over certain limits, you could pay two to three times as much more on your Medicare Part B as your neighbor. So the average person spends about 116 bucks a month on their Medicare Part B. You might be double that because your income's high. Our tax system is so broken in the United States. It's ridiculous. I mean, you got everywhere from the earned income issue where if you don't make under a certain amount, you actually get paid, right, which is where H&R Block makes a lot of their money by people that, you know, kind of play that system, unfortunately. Um it's it's a very distorted situation. That's why you know dealing with some of these issues that we have, we've got to fix the tax code before we can fix the budgets in this country. But the thing that you really need to figure out too, when you go into retirement and you're looking at bulletproofing your retirement, is what are you really going to spend the first five years? Because most of the people that I see retire spend more money yeah. in the first five years if they're really going to have an enjoyable retirement. That might be a good idea though, because the first five to ten years of retirement, you're still young and healthy and spry, mm-hmm. and then the next ten years, you start losing some stuff. That's right. So. 
do those dream things that you want to do sooner than later. Because, like, my mom, she's over 75, and she can't go to Egypt. She can't visit her grandkids. Like, she can't do any of that. Working an extra two to three years and letting your 401k grow and your employer match kick in can make such a huge difference on enjoying that first five to ten years of retirement, really how you want to enjoy it. You know, Maybe take some time off, some sabbaticals, but really project your expenses, how you really want it to be. And don't forget about certain things, too, in your expenses, like a new car every five to ten years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of women that I'm seeing now because of the unemployment for college students um, and kids right out of high school is helping your family. A lot of people yeah. are having to change their retirement plan because their kids are depending on them and moving back in. And uh, that's something that you have to think about, too. What are your family dynamics? Who are you going to have to help? I think from my retirement, I saw On Golden Pond. Did you ever see On Golden Pond? Oh, yeah. Henry Fonda. You old poop. I decided I don't want to be old. Like, yeah. I, I kind of want to go out before I'm 80. I want my light to, to flicker. That was a movie that should have never made a second movie, On Golden Pond 2. Did they make it On Golden yeah, Pond 2? terrible. I saw the porn version, On Goldie Hawn. Not <laughs> not very good. You might want to recheck that last statement. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it's true. Wow. Anything else that we need to know? CFP, Chad Burton with New Focus Financial. You should spend less time on the internet. It wasn't an internet. This was beta. I think it was Betamax. <laughs> oh my gosh, beta. Laser disc. That's no, what you Okay, and for Did the, you invest in laser For disc? the record, I never saw that. <laughs> I probably heard a late night comedian like Dave Letterman talking about it and I probably stole it from him when I was a teenage boy. Okay. There you go. I never saw it, I swear. Is that better? Yes. New car every five to ten years, is that realistic for seniors? Uh, usually it's about every ten years, but a lot of times people retire and they've had the same car, so it's a rotating thing. You've got to look at your car, your spouse's car, and actually project in there what year they're going to be replaced, um, kind of what the trade-in value is and what the value of the new car is, and project that cost in there. And also uh, other costs like maintaining the house. You know, If you're going to live in the same house for a long time, you're going to be putting back. a new roof on, you're going to be remodeling every ten years, um, that type of thing. I don't know if a lot of seniors remodel every 10 years. I've been in their homes. With that said, it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Some other business stories of note this morning. American Airlines, ticker symbol AMR, American. They reported a loss of $619 million on a revenue of $1.8 billion. The airline filed for bankruptcy on November 29, disclosed $24.4 billion in assets, including $40 million in cash, $4.2 billion in restricted cash, and short-term investments in $10.9 billion in flight equipment. Makes me a little nervous to fly with American when you hear stories like that. Research in motion. The quarter was horrible. Horrible. That's horrible. And yet the stock's still trading higher today. That tells you that it's been oversold and or the shorts are loading up to take it down. Visa and MasterCard are reporting some sort of security breach, but they're not telling us exactly what. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. Coming up, headline news. Some people are starting to bike to work with the higher gasoline prices. Honda is recalling uh, 550,000 pilots CRVs for some loss of lights. It's a mid-size SUV, the pilot. 
You could lose your low beam headlights. You're saying it's a wiring problem that could cause the low beams to become inoperative and leave you in the dark. So recalls happen. Companies tend to have insurance to cover those. It's one of the reasons you don't want to aggressively go against an investment concept just because they have a problem. Be cautious on that. Whole Foods, which costs a whole paycheck to go shopping there, said that they're going to stop selling fish caught from depleted waters or through ecologically damaging methods, a move that comes as supermarkets nationwide are trying to make seafood selections more sustainable. Starting on Earth Day, April 22, the natural and organic supermarket chain, Whole Foods, said they're not going to carry wild-caught seafood that's red-rated, which is a color code that indicates it's either overfished or caught in a way that harms other species. Among some of the seafood that's disappearing from Whole Foods shelves will be octopus, Gray sole scape, Atlantic halibut, Atlantic cod, which are caught by trolls. They can destroy whole habitats. Whole Foods has been strengthened in its buying practices in years past. It's amongst a number of supermarket chains responding as consumers are becoming a little bit more concerned about their source of where the seafood comes from. BJ's Wholesale, they said something that's pretty similar. So companies are getting a little bit better at figuring out how to do what's right by you. You know, this whole color concept for seafood, it's a little tough for people to understand, but basically it's green and yellow rated seafood, which is more sustainable. Shrimp, salmon, and other seafood grown on farms have yet another separate labeling system. So Greenpeace urges supermarkets to only sell sustainable products. And there's that that rub, Greenpeace. You know, we used to think that companies like Greenpeace were very dramatic. They had to, you know, do something super crazy in order to get the public's attention. And now viral videos can do that. Whether it's Con 2012 or Pink Slime... Viral videos can take down whole industries, which is pretty intriguing. The pink slime issue is something that it's easy to say this is horrific and we need to stop doing it. When you're taking the worst parts of a cow that can't be sold into the food industry, the restaurant industry, and you're saying, okay, let's do our very, very, very best to turn it into a food product and put it in ravioli. Kids will never know the difference. On one hand, pink slime is very low-fat meat. On the other side, it's disgusting to think of how it's made. Most meat is disgusting to think how it's made. But viral videos can destroy a whole industry. I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, again, when you have to use ammonia on the pink slime for whatever reason, that to kill off the salmonella, that's pretty worrying. Like, why are we putting ammonia in a food product? Why are we cleaning it that way? I don't think anyone's ever eaten Chef Boyardee ravioli's gone, man, that meat is just so tasty. But we have to think about what we do when we kill off whole industries. We put families out of business. 
So research in motion showed revenue and profit dropped more than expected. It's going to get worse fundamentally before it gets better. Demand for BlackBerry smartphones is waning. They still have sales of $4.1 billion. Their former co-chief executive officer, Jim Belisle, has resigned from the board. This is a guy who once was a billionaire, who now is a millionaire, because the shares that he held dropped so aggressively on him. The Android device made by Google. Apple's iPhone has really destroyed research in motion. I saw something interesting yesterday. There's a divorce expo going on in New York City. And you're like, why do I care about a divorce expo? Think about it for a second. Expos tend to highlight money-making opportunities. You can go to a real estate expo and learn all about how to buy multi-unit apartments. You can go to a bridal expo and learn all about how to you know, set up a 20000 30000 $40,000 wedding. But there's actually a divorce expo now. And like some of the seminars include moving on after infidelity. Another topic was into the fog, becoming a single dad and a single dude again. It's dude. And parenting through divorce. I've got a friend who's going through a divorce right now, and it's, it's horrific on his kids. If I were 20 years old and I read that divorce is starting to become an expo, I would get excited. I would say that, you know, since half of marriage is in a divorce, I would say there's probably a business model there. Maybe it's arbitration. Yesterday, Best Buy came out with really, really disappointing numbers. And what was interesting to me about Best Buy was when you looked inside their numbers, they're going to cut down some stores. They're going to open some smaller stores. Which I think if you ever go into a Best Buy, you kind of see that it's, it's a lot of retail space. Their entertainment division, which is video games and DVDs, is getting crushed. Falling 14% year over year. But in the last quarter, it fell 20%. Now, there was some pickup in one branch of Best Buy. And believe it or not, that was appliances. When I go into a Best Buy and I see their appliances, I'm like, oh, no. Like, a little thing on me. If you want to steal this, you can steal it. If you don't, you know. But when I go into Best Buy and I see those utility, those refrigerators, I'm like, washers, dryers. I'm like, really? People come to Best Buy for to buy that stuff? It's true. So Best Buy... Showing that utilities are picking up, which is telling me that household formations are picking up, which is telling me housing's picking up. Now, again, is your house really worth it? A couple other stories of the day Dennis Rodman, basketball Hall of Famer, famous athlete. Once again, marriage brings him down. It's stunning to me that it, that for some reason uh, athletes don't get better advice. He's 51 years old. He's owed $808,000. He owes $808,000 in back child support for a 9-year-old and 10-year-old child. Now, what's crazy about that is on the show, on a regular basis, I say kids cost 
$250,000 from age 0 to 17. How is it that his kids cost more than that? Because he used to make more money. His third wife, Michelle Rodman, is owed $51,000. I don't want to go on record and say that this is ludicrous and this is insanity. But I'm surprised the courts don't reconsider that, you know, hey, he only had one super big contract. He missed a lot of games and didn't get paid a lot for his antics on the court. He made some bad movies. But that's a lot of money to owe in child support. Those kids are being raised better than your kids. I'm surprised courts don't ever take that into consideration. Like, not what the athlete used to make, but what it truly costs to raise a kid. So a lot of IPOs are coming out right now. A lot of sexy, sexy IPOs. Couple things that I talk about that you need to know is that any company that I look at, I look at profitability. Either are they or what's the road to profitability? I look at recent revenue and operating income on a quarterly and a yearly basis. I want to see the rates that they're growing their income, growing their revenue. I want to look at future growth catalysts on a micro and macro level. I want to look at margin levels. Have they been incredibly profitable or are they incredibly not profitable? Are they at 5% margins or 60% margins? I look at trends in those margins. Apple's going to get to a point where on a year-over-year basis, they're introducing more for the same price. Can they continue to keep those margins where they are? You need to look for balance sheet strength. How much cash does a company have in a worst-case scenario? You need to look at valuation metrics compared to others that are similar in a company. And what I mean by that is you need to compare a price-to-sales ratio, margins, price-to-earnings. You need to look at debt-to-equity, return-on-equity, return-on-investments. But you need to look at compared to another company. And then finally, you need to look at a risk profile and what's a worst-case scenario. Before you buy any IPO, you need to do those seven things. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black. I do have a seminar coming up in Palo Alto at Diners Garden on a Thursday evening. You can sign up at robblack.com, robblack.com. I have a Twitter feed, Rob Black Show, Twitter feed, Rob Black Show. I tend not to send anything out on Fridays, just so you know, because it is Aloha Friday. AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. This morning, one analyst has turned bullish on Nokia. Stepping up with a stance that no one else really has. We're seeing a company like 
Research in Motion implode. Nokia kind of imploded before Research in Motion did. Age of cell phones really started, let's go back to the 1990s, and understand that at one point in time, cell phones were very analog, and they moved to digital. And Motorola was the king of cell phones in the analog world. In the world of digital, Nokia was. In the world of great hardware, Nokia became dominant in the 90s. But they never really got the smartphone. Their operating system, Symbian, never really got developed as a platform. But now Nokia has a relationship with Microsoft. They're going to adapt Windows Phone 7 as the operating system for its high-end smartphones. There's some renewed enthusiasm going on. We know they don't make hardware well. We know that they can sell millions and millions of phones on a daily basis. So can they do it in the U.S. and Western Europe? Very low base of expectations. Will Nokia start to turn? You know, it's an intriguing conversation. You have to be concerned at the same time because the Android ecosystem and the Apple's iPhone and the ecosystem that comes with Apple is pretty dominant right now. The Lumia line of Windows-based phones, 2012 is the year for it. The company's devices and service segment were 60% of Nokia's fourth quarter revenues. They got a lot riding on this. The company is seeking new partnerships that will allow it to enhance its consumer appeal, but also allow it to focus its attention on its core historical strength, which is enterprise. Nokia is a $5.50 stock. If it does turn around, the move on the stock will be a lot greater than, say, the move on Apple stock. I am not telling you to go out and buy the stock. I'm telling you that Wall Street's intrigued to buy it. Some other stories of note this morning. Spike Lee has settled with a company. Not with a company, but with a couple. He tweeted their home address after he was tweeted. Trayvon Martins, a man who was shot unarmed. Spike Lee received a tweet from someone online that basically said, okay, here's where the guy who shot him lives. Spike has agreed to compensate the McLeans for their loss and for their disruption in their life. Can you imagine? You're so angry at a person that you tweet their home address and trying to get the whole world to be angry at them. Spike Lee did an incredibly stupid thing. Spike Lee can afford to do incredibly stupid things. Most of us can't. So the only thing I'm going to continue to preach is, and again, I, I think I'm overdoing this, is be cautious on how you approach Twitter and Facebook. In mere moments, you could ruin your life. Chad Burton and I were talking yesterday about one of his employees wants to bring on an intern. And Chad Googled her name, saw her Facebook pages, saw that there was a couple parties that got out of control in college that she posted photos of. 
It's like, you know what? I prefer not. So Facebook can change your job opportunities. This morning we got what's called the University of Michigan sentiment. It rose to 76.2 reading. That's the highest in more than a year. A preliminary March reading hit 74.3. A final March reading of 75. So it's kind of goofy the way this, this gauge works. It talks to personal finances. It talks to people's consumer spending. Talks to employment news, you know, gas, gallon per gas. How much does it cost? Is it freaking people out? So consumer sentiment to me isn't the end-all, be-all. When you and I hear about high unemployment and we go to work 40, 50 hours a week, we kind of assume that maybe it's my neighbor. Like we don't necessarily know the person who has high unemployment. We don't know that person. So we kind of go... I don't know, maybe I won't go on vacation because my neighbor's unemployed that I shouldn't go. So sentiment sometimes is very psychological and not necessarily realistic. I'm not saying totally discount it. I'm saying I, it doesn't mean as much to me as you would imagine. Dow's up 16, the Nasdaq's down 9 this morning. The S&P 500's up fractions. This first quarter, tech and financial stocks as sectors have averaged, pulled in 20% returns. If that were to happen every quarter, that would be pretty crazy. It's not going to happen every quarter. People are queuing up today and tonight. And I almost want to make a documentary because it's, it's fascinating to me to go get a rock star and see all the people in line that I've never seen. I get a rock star every day. One rock star. That's my goal. And every time I go into that little little market, I'm stunned by the people that are lining up. Half a billion dollars tonight could be won. In the end, you'd probably pull in about $260 million. In Rhode Island, if you win, Rhode Island gets about a 6% of that. That's about $23 million in one single payment. California doesn't tax winnings. New York charges 8.8%. So states, maybe a state's going to win tonight. You listen to AM 1220. Insightful. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning and welcome in to Rob Black and your money. Let's get on with the show, shall we? Um, 
Yeah, $540 million lottery has got a lot of people talking today. Multi-state Mega Millions, biggest ever lottery has enticed people from around the nation to go out and buy lottery tickets. Unless you live in Illinois, you will not be able to purchase your $540 million winning ticket online. The reason for years state lotteries have been thwarted in their efforts to sell lottery tickets online by the federal government. Department of Justice years ago took the position that the Federal Wire Act of 1961 prohibited all sorts of online gambling, even though the law itself seemed to only apply to sports betting. As a result, the states felt that they could not conduct in-state lottery transactions via the Internet because the possibility that transmissions of the Internet during these transactions might cross state lines. So you can't go online. You actually have to go to a store. Now, Illinois is the only state to pull it off. Online lottery ticket operations are up and running. They started selling Mega Million online lottery tickets last Sunday. They say they've already sold 425,000 tickets online. So can you go online and buy your ticket? No. No, you cannot. It's one of those interesting little twists of the story. Dow's up 28 this morning. NASDAQ's down four. The S&P 500's up one. It's the last trading day of the first quarter. May all our quarters be this good to us, but they won't be. Taking a look at some of the most active names out there. Bank of America's lower. Micron. Sears Satellite Radio is up seven pennies. Research Emotions up 2.8%, up 39 cents. They had a horrible quarter. Most analysts are not impressed with that stock. And yet, it's moving higher. If Apple is perceived as the tech darling, wouldn't you say that Research Motion is the complete opposite? Their CEO, Thorsten Hines, looks like he's got a, the world's worst toupee. Bad toupees always bother me. I just don't get why guys do it. I don't get why uh, uh, women alter their bodies. I don't get it. But a bad toupee is something I don't understand. Like, I look at it, and it's like a, a black hole vortex in my mind. They've announced a lot of departures from high-level executives. They're exploring strategic options. Company sales are slow and its inventory is piling up. Its new devices aren't expected to hit the market until late this year. They got no short-term fixes. Analysts aren't saying good things. Evercore Partner says the recognition that its value may be more in its software services, intellectual property, is a good first step for survival. That's kind of scary when you're talking survival. Another analyst, Numero, said, we see little likelihood of research emotion succeeding as a standalone ecosystem, even if it does find some partners. Management still seems keen to succeed at both the high and low ends of the smartphone market, all while still building a standalone application ecosystem. An analyst at Freeman Billings Ramsey says, it appears that one of the most significant stock catalysts, mergers and acquisitions, is being de-emphasized by management, providing little hope of substantial upside. Another analyst at BMO Capital says the new CEO has a more realistic view of the entire enterprise. 
those aren't positive statements. So Apple's working on a killer 3D camera, according to a patent they just filed. You know, a standalone camera, or would it be built into their phones? It would try to take advance. Uh, it would try to take advantage of their their retina displays to show off 3D images in greater detail. It would also be capable of intelligent facial and gesture recognition. Keep in mind, it's just a patent. It doesn't mean they're actually going to do it. Canada is to go penniless. No new one-cent coins after April. The conservative government released its 2012 budget. The penny is amongst the $5.2 billion in cuts. After 150 years, the last Canadian penny will be minted in April. The Royal Mint will stop distributing pennies to financial institutions in the fall and start working to withdraw them from circulation. The Canadian penny has cost Canada a pretty penny. It costs about 1.6 cents to produce every copper nickel cent. And the government estimates that it loses about $11 million a year just producing it. It costs the private sector $150 million in 2006 to count, store, and transport the little penny. How will we live without a penny in Canada? Life isn't worth living. Okay, so it's really not that dramatic, is it? Should we take the penny out of the U.S. system? That would freak people out. That's the funny part about the U.S. is how freaked out we'd get. Stocks erased some early gains this morning. Amid concern that the best first quarter rally for the S&P 500 has outpaced growth prospects. To me, it's a little bit of catch-up from last year, along with realistic expectations for this year. Bank of America and Apple are down today. They've had a great quarter. The best of 2012 is probably behind us, so says some analysts. We've had a substantial rally. You know, where does the next round of good news come from? Where does the next round of bad news come from? More than $3.6 trillion was restored to U.S. equities since last year's low in October. Since October lows, the market's up 28%. That's a pretty big rally. So the S P 500 has traded about 14 and a half times earnings. We could probably trade as high as 15, 16. The average since 1954, the market's traded about 16.4 times earnings. The S&P 500 has increased about 2.8% in March, rallying for a fourth straight month. Over the last 100 years, the Dow has advanced 1.3% on average in April. It's gained 57% of the time. So we're going to look at April as can the market carry the torch? Good question, right? This is starting to get to the point where sell in May and go away. That phrase comes in that a lot of the gains in the market happen in the first four or five months and then the last two or three months. Corporate America did a lot of cost cutting in 2008, 2009. 
So the only way to the bottom line will probably be on the top line. Bottom line is earnings, top line is revenue. So have we squeezed as much as we can squeeze out of the market? It's a really good question. You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, much, much more. $540 million lottery ticket tonight. You can earn more than LeBron James. It's Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. For the last two decades, America's smartest class of people have been looking for models to correct numerous national deficiencies. Some people deluded themselves to look at Europe. Some people looked to Asia as how can we fix things? You fix things by having babies. We need a baby boom to create a larger taxpayer base. We'll talk about that. What nations have baby booms going on? What nations don't? You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You can always find me online at robblack.com. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. The Dow is up 50. The NASDAQ up 3. The SP 500 up 4. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Regular guest on the show. Today, we're talking a little life insurance investment tip and estate planning tip. I like the tips. People like the tips. People like the easy, digestible content that Chad Burton throws out. So, well, my first tip when it comes to life insurance is uh, it doesn't work well as an investment. Okay. Now, that's one of the things insurance salespeople will do. They'll say, look, you get the insurance, but there's also an investment and a savings component, and you can borrow from it in the future. So there's a lot of bells and whistles in insurance. Well, yeah, right. But if somebody sells you life insurance and then as an investment before maxing out your 401k, contributing to a Roth, or doing a non-deductible contribution and converting it to a Roth if you're not eligible for a Roth, and they do a financial plan and the first thing they do is sell you life insurance, they are awful planners. They are not fiduciaries. They should be upfront saying, I'm not a fiduciary. Don't use my services. This is essentially what they should do. Between you and me, though, Chad, I don't think the public knows that, and I don't think insurance people know that. I think insurance people are typically... High school to educated. I don't think they've got any sort of degree in economics. I don't think they have any sort of degree in, in investing, which is looking into the future, whereas insurance is worst-case scenarios. Yeah. So it is just a mixing of, of theories. You know, some of the favorite people I like to hire are certified financial planners that are recovering insurance people. Like they spent a good five, ten years selling insurance. Twelve-step programs. Realize that they don't like selling and they like financial planning but they want to do it on a fee basis, they know a lot about that industry, which you have to know to be a good planner. You have to know how insurance works. When is it right? 90% of the population needs to buy term life insurance and invest the difference, but there are specific reasons when you buy permanent life insurance. Like if you're doing pension planning, if you have a pension that's going to go away when you die or be cut in half for your spouse, you need term insurance isn't going to work. You need permanent 
If you have an estate issue where, let's say you're a small business owner or own a lot of property, and you die, there's a huge estate tax bill sold or due when you die, and the only way to do it is to do a fire sale on the property or the business to pay the estate taxes, that's a problem. And that's when you need life insurance held in a trust or an irrevocable life insurance trust using permanent insurance. And in fact, right now, there's such gifting opportunities for wealthy people out there that they can gift a lot of money into a trust which buys the insurance, and they can cover their entire state tax bill because for 2012 and 2012 only, it looks like uh, you can gift up to $5 bucks out of your state while you're alive without paying any gift tax. So um, the issue is, is you know, using life insurance as an investment, so many things can go wrong. They sell you this policy as an investment, right. you, showing you a ledger with great rates of return, they don't show you the other side of the ledger, which says, here's what happens if mortality expenses go up, overall expenses of the policy go up, the performance isn't good. Um, the fees can change after you buy the policy. And I've seen... And very early on, they don't, but midterm, long-term, they do. Oh, yeah. Right now, the stuff that was sold in you know the 90s is blowing up. Right. You know, They were sold showing 8 to 12% returns inside the investment side of the insurance policy, and that didn't happen, obviously, over the last decade. So these things are blowing up. People have put thousands and thousands of dollars into them, and they're becoming worthless. I'm with you, and uh, you know, raise your right hand. I, I, I am. I, I have term life insurance. Do you? I do. So we're financial professionals, and we've got term, and we invest the rest. So a lot of things can go wrong with the insurance product, and um, a lot of times with insurance products, Chad, the the commissions up front, whether it's an annuity product or a life insurance product, a lot of time it's take the money and run. It, it's a bad product initially, but once you have it, is it necessarily a bad product? Because the, the commission's already out of it for the salesperson into the company. Yeah, I mean, if you've got some of the older whole life policies from you know, Northwestern, New York Life, and they're the whole life good dividend paying ones, and you bought them you know, prior to you know, the 2000s, then you've probably paid all the loads and you can look at the cash value as kind of your emergency reserves. Right. Um, you've really got to look at it. If, you, if you're spending too much and you're not able to max out your 401k or save for your kids' college or other things and you've got these policies, you've got to get a, what's called an enforce illustration. Look at it and see when does the cash value equal the surrender value Yep. Um, to see when you're able to get out of it. And uh, you also have to look at the tax consequence because if you pull, if you surrender it and you're over age, under age 59 and a half and there's more money in it than what you put into it, Yep. It's a tax consequence with a 10% penalty like an IRA, so you might have to roll it over. So quick question for you, because we're starting to wrap up here. Um, when I was 17, I dated a girl who worked for a state farm insurance guy. Mm-hmm. She was like a secretary, and she's pretty hot. Um, and my adult life, I've always used Geico and USAA, and they don't have insurance agents. They kind of have like an 800 number, call center number. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong for thinking, I don't really want an agent? I kind of would rather have a big company that gets me volume, volume, volume discounts versus an independent agent who comes to my house and gets to know me. Yeah, I would say that's, that's again, true for about 90% of the population. Um, But I like it when people get all their stuff in one spot because it, it, if you're going to get something from Geico, also get your umbrella insurance there. Don't try to piecemeal your stuff together with different, you know, discount places because you can end up making mistakes in, in values. And a lot of times to get umbrella, you have to have certain, coverage on your auto and home, um, where it gets into play where you need a real good agent is if you're wealthy, you've got ranches, you've got various homes and you need to make ranches. sure seriously, where you and need horses to, there, and certain types of coverage for yeah. like fire, like people in 
Oregon Hill, that kind of thing. You, you need different types of coverage. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Some other stories that we have to be aware of today. It's Friday. It's the end of the quarter. Things are starting to wrap up. It's that big mega lottery jackpot day. Research Emotion comes in with an awful quarter last night, and yet stock's trading higher. Is it at a bottom? Did everyone know they were going to have a bad quarter? These are questions to ask. The Chicago PMI came out this morning. It's a measure of Chicago business. I guess you would refer to it as barometer. It decelerated in March, but marked its fifth straight month above 60%. The PMI fell to 62.2% from March's 64%. So production and new order components rose. The new orders component decelerated slightly. Prices paid component rose the highest level since 2011. American Airlines said that they lost $619 million in the month of February. Chicago PMI, consumer sentiment, all pretty good numbers this morning. So we got a little bit of economic data that we feel good about. MasterCard and Visa, they're warning banks around the country of a massive security breach at one of their U.S.-based credit card processors. You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black, money. I'm Rob Black. Next Wednesday, I'm going to be giving a speech at Visa. Part of the Women's Network Conference. Um, it's an all-day event for the women who work at Visa. I'm one of two males to speak out of 12-plus speakers for the day. I hope I don't mess this up, right? I'm actually greatly honored to be included in stuff like that. You probably know that uh, I talk to teachers on a regular basis. I do care about our community. At times, I come across as pretty hard and pretty mean, and it's just tough love. I mean, truly, it is tough love. Some stories on Wall Street today that are worthy of note. Stockton is confronting a rash of murders, even as the city is contemplating bankruptcy and further cuts to an already shrunken police force. It's a city of 292,000 residents. It's 80 miles east of San Francisco. They reported 58 murders last year, up from 49 in 2010. It's amongst dozens of U.S. cities that are seeing a reversal in the long national trend of falling crime. And like other cash-starved cities, Stockton has already cut their police force aggressively. 
How do you think that story is going to end? I can't imagine well. Can you? So what should you do if you win the lottery tonight? It's pretty easy. Chances are very few. You have to pick one out of 56, 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 and then another one out of 56. Someone will do it tonight, probably. There's just a lot of money chasing these numbers. After taxes, you'll probably get a lump sum of about $260 million. You'll get a little bit more in Delaware or California that doesn't tax winnings. You can have a lifetime of lavish spending if you win the lottery tonight. You can invest like a grandma, though, if you want to be smart about it. If you were to take all that money and put it in treasuries, you'd earn about 182000 a year. That's a little too conservative. You know, with that money, you could bring in roughly three to $8 million a year easily in income. Put it in high-quality bonds, that would earn you about $2 million a year. Put it in high-grade municipal bonds, that would get you about $3 million a year. So if you do win, put in some high-dividend-paying stocks, another $2 million a year. You could probably pull in $8 million-plus a year in income. Ford's making a weird bet. And again, I don't know cars, so I don't invest in cars. To me, Ford and General Motors are manufacturing companies. Ford's determined to lift the lid on Lincoln sales, and they're doing it in a funny way. It's, it's a glass roof, a 15-foot square glass roof. That, to me, is surreal. It's called a panoramic view. Two foot by two and a half foot void that's created is the biggest opening of any glass roof in the car business. People are saying they want to bring the outside in. Ford figures a glass ceiling will finally help Lincoln break through. The luxury line of cars, you know, the people who buy it average 65 years old. Lincoln's trying to get a younger audience. A signature design element might be able to do it. You know, the humble sunroof has been morphing over the past decade. Now it's this big, glassy expanse. It's called a panoramic roof. It's only available right now on Daimler's $423,000 Maybach 62 or $15,000 Fiat. I think Nissan's got one out there as well, but I'm not quite positive. So that's the big buzz coming out of the Detroit Auto Show. How do you make a big roof like that watertight? You test it with thousands of gallons of water. So we'll watch. We'll pay attention. See what else crops up. My beloved San Jose Sharks are choking. It's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of uh, sports. I don't work for the teams. I don't own the teams. So I don't get too invested emotionally in the teams. That makes any sense. I've hit this story a couple times. Let's talk a little bit about it. MasterCard and Visa saying security breach. 
credit card companies said that it's notified law enforcement agencies and issuers of the MasterCard accounts that are potentially at risk. The credit card company only processes transactions. The credit cards are issued to cardholders by banks. So when you buy shares of MasterCard and Visa, you don't really own credit exposure. You own transaction exposure. So the question is, you know, now that the cards have been compromised, what should you do? I would wait to hear from your bank. I'm not one of those people that has to run out and do something about it. In this, in the file of, oh, good God, this really happened? You know one of the reasons I talk about disability insurance or life insurance? There's a, an obituary today that kind of hits me in a funny way. Mark Lane, he's a managing director at Lazard Capital Markets. He took three and a half years off to go raise his four young sons. He died yesterday after getting hit by a boat in the Turks and Caicos Islands. He was 44 years old. He was snorkeling. And a boat, motorboat, ran over him. Taken to the hospital, pronounced dead. Snorkeling. You know, sometimes I, I use that phrase, you know, hopefully you don't get hit by a bus. He got hit by a motorboat. This guy touched every aspect of the credit world. He did so very successfully. He was on vacation with his four kids, Wiley, Peyton, Grant, and Trevor. Happened first couple days of their vacation. In 2008, he famously quit his global distress trading job at UBS. He wanted to spend time with his friends and family. He was well-trusted. He had a lot of capabilities. He was a great partner. Went to UCLA. Worked for Solomon Smith Barney. So, did a lot of corporate finance. He got into his job. Run over by a boat. I couldn't imagine. Could you? Other big stories of note today. Did I mention the $540 million lottery? Of course I did. Best Buy is closing down some of their, their retail stores. And it shows you that you know one of the big problems with Best Buy, Walmart, and Target is they're big box stores. That era may be coming to an end, and smaller stores may be coming back. Best Buy plans to double the number of its smaller stores by 2016. I've often said I thought Best Buy or Apple should buy distressed retailer Radio Shack because you get the small stores. After 50 years of putting mom and pops out of business, some of the big box stores are starting to struggle. A slow economy has hurt same-store sales. It's narrowed the margins at the big stores, and yet they've got the big rent that they have to pay. People are still cutting back. People are buying more products online. A lot of people look at big box retailers like Best Buy as a, a, a showroom for what they buy online. So Best Buy hasn't really changed with the times and figured that out. When you could buy a TV and save three, four, five hundred dollars, people are doing that. Big box retail was born in 1962. That's the year that Walmart, Kmart, and Target all opened their first large discount stores. 
As they grew, the new big boxes began offering broad selections and lower prices, growing population of what were considered the suburbanites. People left the big cities in their big new cars, chasing for that piece of the American dream. Big box stores boomed through the 1990s. You had the inflated stock market, you had loose credit. Americans had to expand further into the suburbs. And as we expanded, we wanted appliances and consumer goods. The housing boom really propelled people into the new millennium. And now that that's all coming back crashing, baby boomers no longer have kids at home. They don't need to stock up on food and packaged goods like they used to. Kids are marrying later and delaying having their own children, meaning fewer people are buying homes that need to be updated and furnished. And the big box players are getting crushed because of it. So they're going to have to take a different approach. Survive or die. Biggest challenge for big boxes is increasing the consumer confidence level in making online purchases. Best Buy is arguably more exposed than Walmart because Walmart's got the food and apparel and consumables that people need, whereas Best Buy only has the TVs we want. You listen to AM 1220 KDOW. Got a seminar coming up at Palo Alto and Dinah's Garden in early April. It's a Thursday night event. You can find out more at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Take a break here. Come back, wrap up the show, wrap up the week on AM 1220 KDOW. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Les Schwab Tire Stores. We're still looking at a major problem for the driving Concord. Southbound 242 right after Highway 4. There's a crash involving an overturned vehicle. The two left lanes are closed at this time. A look at your drive in San Pablo among the city streets. Southbound San Pablo Avenue is closed between Terra Hills and Richmond Parkway. That's all due to an early morning. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.